one for podcasting. From the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, ask about the Friday KXNO lunch special. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon here on a Thursday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon and Ken Miller with you for the next uh, couple of hours. Thanks for spending some of your morning here with us as we talk sports with you. The BMW of Des Moines guest list. This is what uh, we have coming up. Kerry Miller is going to join us. He covers uh, college basketball uh, for Bleacher Report. He will opine. He's got some good stuff on there on the uh, bracket, on well, on college hoops as we come down the final Oh, two or three weeks of the regular season. Kerry Miller up first. Wade Looking Bill at 11.05. The former Hawk will uh, join Trent and I to preview tonight's game against Michigan, where I was a six-point favorite, Trent Condon, somewhere around there. That's what yep. I saw earlier. Uh, so uh, Wade Looking Bill at uh, 11.05. And then Bill Bender from the Sporting News will join us. A lot of Big Ten news Media contract news being uh, floated out there. Sports Business Journal, Front Office Sports, I think is the other one, frontofficesports.com, both speculating that the Big Ten media rights, which are up at the end of 2023, may command $1.1 million annually. No, 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 no. Not million. Billion dollars annually. It's like Austin Powers over there. Billion. Billion. Dollars annually. Oh, some coaches and administrators are going to get paid, aren't they? Can get some new buildings. Oh, my gosh. you got to spend it somehow. Yes. Um, 1.1 billion annually. What does this mean? So... Uh, lots to get into. Ken O'Keefe walks away from uh, a pretty good gig, and you know what? On this all said and done, a lengthy uh, career. I'll leave it up to Hawkeye fans how they want to remember uh, Ken O'Keefe. And we'll start with, uh, we'll get to that in just a second. Obviously, a big game tonight at Carver Hawkeye, Michigan, and Iowa. Big Ten was. I mean, what is it with this Rutgers team, Trent? Mm-hmm. They are so good at home. And now they're winning on the road, too. They've beaten four straight top 25 teams. In, this, in your mind, now are they in? No. They've still got work to do. No, because of those awful losses. Uh, was it Lafayette? They lost uh, yes, uh, early loss. in the season. Yeah. yeah, quad four. Despite all those wins, some work to do. Do you know what Rutgers is up to in the net today after yet another good victory? Where were they yesterday, first of all? Do you remember? They were at 81 yesterday. So they beat Illinois, I don't know, what that was, 70s? 75. 75? That's still not a lot. That's not a big jump. Still a long ways to go. Yeah. Those bad losses. Mm. And they afford them. No, they can't. And they've got a couple of heavy heads, uh, well, their whole schedule for the most part, with the exception, I think, the Penn State game. And Penn State can pop up and beat Jazz Michigan State, as we saw that the other day. And then Baylor and Texas Tech last night. Oh, great. Oh, that was a fun game. First that, half, all Baylor. It was all Baylor, Trent. And then the second half uh, was all Tech. All Texas Tech. And really then kind of cruised. I mean, what did it get to? Was it five? 14- Oh, I don't know. Late, you mean? Within, I don't know, last 90 seconds yeah, or something like that. But it was, I didn't think it was ever no, in doubt. Nope. 
um, at, at that point. Uh, Canada beats the USA. What? Mm-hmm. I watched it all. Did you seriously? I did. did. Yeah, stayed up to the end. What time did it end? Because I checked out after the first twelve fifteen. Wow, probably twelve thirty, twelve twenty, right in that mm-hmm. range. And uh, yeah, I wonder what kind of number that's going to get in comparison to what uh. they normally have for their late night. I heard Keith yesterday during Murph and Andy. He mentioned their normal news broadcast was at nine thirty. So they could get right to the game at ten ten mm-hmm. with the Olympics. Yeah, they promoted it yeah. on uh, on, the, on their Twitter account and across the I country. Mean, NBC, WHO TV and NBC affiliates across the country. That's what they, they did. all moved. They all moved huh. so they could get women's hockey online. It's the biggest rivalry in the Olympics, Trent. Yeah. But team rivalry, right? Right. I mean, I'm sure there's some individual rivalries that, that are pretty good in whatever their uh, sport of endeavor is, but. Um, uh, USA Canada hockey pretty good. So this did it get close? I mean, I, I saw the box score. No, they the US scored. It was well, it was three nothing when I flipped it back mm-hmm. on. I was here getting ready for state wrestling last night, so I got back home at eleven twenty something like that. Flipped it on, it was three nothing. Yeah, yep. So I went over. I watched Gonzaga for a while, and of course they were Gonzaga and just great. And right, but they're, they're so fun to watch. They they really are. They're but an didn't entertaining cover. team. Yeah. They didn't, right? It was 31 and a half, uh-huh. whatever the number was. And finished, what, above 20, I yeah, think? Yeah, that's about what it was when I flipped back over. U.S. got a goal right towards the end of the second to make it 3-1. Mm-hmm. And then you're just waiting. You're waiting for, get it within a goal, Yeah, give a chance. They pull the goalie for the first time. About two minutes left, had opportunities, and they controlled the puck, and they got good shots, and there was one-timers, and they were going across ice and getting, you feel like, open shots there. And then it'd go wide. It just, it never struck through, and then they got... Kind of a cheapy in front of the net, flipped one in, but there's 12 seconds yeah, left I, at that I, point. I didn't see the goal, but I saw the uh, the write-up on it that they scored. Uh, and I love that, because I had the over. Oh, did you? And it was so five, so push? I got my money back. Oh, nice. Got a little push. <laughs> you got Olympic money, though. I did, yeah. Both teams uh, going over. I don't remember what it was. I think two goals each, yeah. anyways, at, at Bed Rivers. Uh, so that's the, the rundown of the show here today. Where do you want to start? You want to start with Ken O'Keefe? I think we should localize yeah. it a little bit. And I'll, I'll ask you, what... Um, Obviously, there was good. There was bad. I don't know if there was more of one than the other. You know, anytime you have that long of a career, uh, and I get it, uh, Kirk's pretty loyal. Uh, Leafs comes back. Um, how will you remember the Ken O'Keefe era? Well, let's think of Iowa, and we go back to the halcyon days of the 2002 offense, what they did in 2004, down to their fifth string running back. Mm-hmm. Was that his, Was that maybe one of the better years offensively for that reason? Because they had to adjust. Because uh-huh. they couldn't run the ball. Right. It was Sam Brownlee, it was Aaron Mickens, a fullback. I mean, mm-hmm. that's all that was left in the cupboard. And yet they won a Big Ten championship the last 18 years ago. That was a good coaching job. Now, when he left in 2010, 2011, I think everybody was ready for it. Yeah. Kind of run its course, mm-hmm. see something different. Unfortunately, behind door number two was GDGD, <laughs> gosh darn, yeah. Greg Davis. Right. And it was awful. It was a marriage that never worked. His horizontal, get it out quick with what Iowa gets athlete-wise at the wide receiver position, coupled with his own blocking scheme, it never worked. It never married, even the year that was okay. Look at Vandenberg. The season that he had in O'Keefe's final season, where he throws 26 touchdowns against seven interceptions, almost 3,000 yards, and then he was awful the next year, and it was because of the marriage of that offense. It just never worked. And All right, GDGD's gone. Well, we'll get somebody else, and it's Brian, and that has not gone well. So when you look at it in its totality, by far, the best offensive coordinator in the Kirk Ferentz regime is Ken O'Keefe, and it's mm-hmm. not close. Right. The gap between one and two, and you can argue the merits of the last two, is pretty significant between them. Now, when he came back as a quarterback coach, what kind of development have we seen? 
Well, certainly not much. Not much, right? <laughs> yeah. There's not a whole lot uh-huh. there. He's not a quarterback guru. He's not one of the guys that you think about in that kind of realm. He was paid handsomely for it. And I think a lot of people, that maybe is going to be the sticking point, is when he came back, got a cushy job, mm-hmm. running the quarterbacks, and you just didn't see a whole lot. We saw probably the best of that era with Bethard. Excellent. But think of some of the the negatives of Bethard. And you think of quarterbacks, really, in the whole Ferentz regime. The one thing that I'm always baffled by, and I don't know if this can be they coached. They regressed? They regress in terms of wins, but they don't regress statistically. I think that's a misnomer. That statistically, look at it. Ricky Stanzi was a lot better his senior year compared to his junior year. His junior year threw 17 interceptions, 15 touchdowns. They just won had close more games. success, right. The next year, his stats were a ton better. Mm-hmm. They just didn't win as many games. The close games that they won the year before went the opposite yeah, direction. Yeah, the margin of error swung, swung in, uh, against them. But I can't think of a group of quarterbacks that have worse pocket presence than Iowa quarterbacks in general. Inside the pocket, from Beathard, who was a tough SOB, he could do a lot of different things, but his pocket presence was brutal. We're seeing it right now with Spencer Peters. Some of the worst pocket presence you'll see in college football. Mm-hmm. Think of a guy that had... I just don't think he has the tools to, to do anything about that, though. But Tom Brady knows how to move in the pocket. Oh, that's, that's a good example. And he has no athleticism. <laughs> we just used him and the greatest ever play in the same sentence. But anyway... And that's what I'm talking about. You don't have to be an athlete. Uh-huh. No, I, get, I got your point. Drew Tate's not a plus athlete. He had that. He understood inside the pocket how to move around, how to escape how to get free, and then make plays up the field. You haven't seen a whole lot of that. Again, I don't know if that's coaching, but that's one thing I certainly would like to see. Unfortunately, I don't think I was going to get some shiny object here. It's a Kirk hire. Well, did you see Leistikow? Chad Leistikow, the register, he he tweeted out, and I don't know how to say his last name. It ends with a vowel. Uh, the, the guy that was working with Petrus mm-hmm. uh, Worked with year. Stanley after he left. Correct. Yeah, Kenny Pickett apparently worked with him and developed him or certainly uh, helped him along his, his career at Pitt. And he may be the first quarterback off the board, admittedly. Not the best quarterback class this mm-hmm. year. And, and I think when in, in Chad's tweet... Um, the very last sentence of it would open up East Coast recruiting, too, because this is where he's based. Now, whether that happens or not, um, I could see why he's going to get some play. I would like to think that he would get an opportunity. You do. I don't. I, I hate that. I absolutely despise that. Well, because that. he's he's also got the ties to that kid that's coming in. Okay. Not, it's not line A. It's, it's something like that. Ripioki or something like that. That's how it? you say his name. Yeah, yeah but, the, but the quarterback that, that's coming oh, yeah. this way. Um, right. You have a good job. You have a chance to reinvent your passing game. Something that hasn't worked. Just hasn't under Brian, didn't under Davis. You have an opportunity to do something. And you're going to go out and get some guy that goes, comes up with flashy terms. All right, this is a drop step, heel kick, flip it out with the run. Nah, these are just stupid so, terms. So what do you want? Who I want you, somebody that actually want? is a college coach, first of all. Okay. I want somebody that's not a just self-proclaimed. Just works with college players? Right. I don't want somebody that's a self-proclaimed guru. Have you heard anybody in the recruiting space talk about this guru? Well, I'm not a recruiting guy, so you're asking the wrong guy. Have you seen or heard national people talk about this is the place to go to become a great quarterback? You don't hear that. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go this route, there are better names out there than somebody you just happen to have a relationship with. I think there's better names out there. I think it's an easy way out. I think it's too simple to do that. And this is a conversation we have with a lot of jobs. Don't go simple. Actually go under the hood. Look what you can do. Look how you can evolve. Look how you can change it. So don't hire friends is what you're saying? And, you know, maybe somebody that 
I don't know, didn't grow up in the womb of Mary. That'd be good, too. Don't go that route. We don't need another Ferentz on there. I would like to see somebody from, quote, outside the family because the ideas— So Drew Tate, you don't want him no. leading. You don't want him. No, no Drew Tate, right. no Ricky Stanzi, no mm-hmm. former quarterback, mm-hmm. nobody with ties— Go outside the family. Even David Rye. But if they want, if you go outside the family and you get them here, will they be allowed to be different? Will they, can they spread their wings? You would hope so. But, but, but is it but realistic? Pe- yeah, because people that coach for Kirk, why do they stay? Because he lets you coach. Once you get here, you have that opportunity. That would be the hope. That's the hope, at least for me. Don't go the easy route. Don't go inside the family. Try to do something better. Try to make this program better offensively. When you look around college football and you see the evolution, and I was still stuck in 1994. They called a pro-style offense. Guess what? Nobody in the pros runs this anymore. It's not a pro-style offense. It's a 1990s offense that they continue to run, try to do something different. Will they? No, they won't. We shall see. Well, uh, when do you think when do you think we'll know anything? Will they try to fill this? Obviously, I would think they would try to do something before spring football. Now, whether right. they can do that or not remains to be seen. Because they'll have to post the position, right? So you got the what fourteen days that mm-hmm. has to be posted. So now you're in your early March. Yeah, they, you know what? There's still though. There's a window there. Yeah, if they've got a couple of candidates that they think. Again, we'll we'll see where it goes. So the uh, the news with the Big Ten and the one point one billion dollar annually uh, once their media rights um, expire, which is at the end of two thousand twenty three, NBC apparently wants to get involved. Mm-hmm. They want something to enhance their uh, Notre Dame uh, coverage. Um, CBS, the SEC window is closed. Uh, CBS is out. They could not afford uh, to keep that. ESPN came in, came in and, and took that from them. So if indeed this number is accurate, here's the thing, Trent, and yes, it's a whole lot of money, but whoever doesn't get this, and where I'm going, I guess, is the newly minted or soon-to-be-newly-minted Big 12, because that moves our needle here, too. Mm-hmm. I think this is good news for the Big 12. That there's more suitors out yes. there. Yes. That CBS does not have the great relationship they had with the right. SEC. That's done. Right. 2023, that thing is over. And there's only so many networks that you take the Big Ten. ESPN still wants a piece of the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. They understand the brand. They understand mm-hmm. the TV ratings that come with it. And is Fox willing to acquiesce to NBC to this wish? Because, Trent, they own 50% of the Big Ten network. Ah, uh, 49%. Well, okay. But they still own a big chunk. They do, but controlling interest still comes to the Big Ten. Because Fox would love to have it all. Mm -hmm. But the Big Ten understands you do that. We're talking about it with the college football playoff. ESPN has the exclusive rights. Mm -hmm. They want to open it up to market. That's what this is. And that 51-49 distinction versus 50-50 is important. Because they don't have controlling interest of what happens here. Right, but that's kind of turning your back on somebody that helped you grow this brand over the last decade. Yeah. It is. I mean, they park a lot of stuff there. They do, but they pay for it. Uh-huh. And they and NBC or somebody's willing to pay more for it, but what it I think you have to keep Fox involved. Oh, they're involved. There's no doubt. They're they're going to be a huge part of this and they want so more. you so the Big Ten in your mind as you see it the Big yeah. Ten could be on Fox yep could be on NBC mm-hmm. could be on ESPN yes and it could be on the Big Ten Network because they're currently that way they have 
college basketball on CBS, the Big Ten tournament, the semifinals and championship are there. You see weekend games that are mm-hmm. there. And you will. We will this weekend. So I think you're going to basically fish this thing out and say instead of the $440 million we're getting right now, all right, let's get this chunk. We're going to get $300 million from Fox. We're going to get 200 from ESPN. And then we're going to have a one-weekly exclusive game, be it CBS or maybe NBC, you put that on there for another $100 billion and, and add up so everything So NBC else. would have a, uh, a a marquee window in the afternoon Probably and the night slot? I don't even know that. I think because they've got to park in uh, Notre Dame somewhere. Well, and I think they're going to stay at that traditional 1 o'clock slot. Okay. And then you'd have like a 4.30, 5 o'clock kind of early evening game, if you will. That would be the Big Ten game. I think ultimately this is the way I think it shakes out. ESPN's still going to keep a chunk. They know how valuable it is. They're not going to let mm-hmm. that go. Fox is going to have basically what they have right now. They will have that exclusive window. I'm going to guess the ESPN, though, is not going to be many of the primetime ABC games. It's going to be a lot more of kind of those second, third choices. A lot of Purdue Northwestern at noon, you know, those mm-hmm. type of games that are mm-hmm. going to be on there. And it's going to be your... The Beth Moen special. Yes. Because we hear every week, all right, they have a draft before the season. Week one, Fox gets the choice. We're going to take Ohio State, Oregon. And then week two, ESPN gets the choice and they get... Oklahoma, Ohio Fox State. Moves, Fox moves right to Michigan, Ohio State. But that ABC, ESPN kind of top pick, if you will, I think that's going to be carved out for, I think it's going to be CBS. CBS, old brand. Mm-hmm. They used to have Big Ten football back in the day. They're going to take their 230 window. That's what they're going to park it with. So you're going to see week in, week out, either 11 o'clock will be the big game or 230 so will be the big game on CBS. where's ESPN going to park their... Uh, their marquee SEC game. What window they go in? That's going to be ABC night. I think that's where we're seeing. That's what it's going to trend towards. You're going to see a whole lot of ABC games that are going to be, their marquee will be their 6, 30, 7 o'clock So game we may night. have college football on 5, 8, 13, 17, 206, 207, 8, 8, 8, 8, 9, 9 um, 219, 219, 220 maybe? I don't think so, no. Okay. I think this is more... I think the CBS and NBC window is like for a single game weekly. Gotcha. That's what you're looking at. And then six, kind of like what this, what's the CBS or yeah. the uh, CBS with their SEC, and occasionally what there maybe two year, two weeks out of the year they have a double dip, right? But but very few. Well, it's it's huge, huge money. Mm-hmm. It's huge money. Um, and there's only so much, so many networks to go around, which is why I kind of think that the Big Twelve, well, not ideal losing those two heavy heads, those two marquee brands. Uh, I think they're going to be okay, right? I don't think it's as 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 um, ominous as gloom and doom as when the announcement was first made. When we go back to Big Ten Media Day or Big Twelve Media Days, when Bowlesby says everything's fine, only to wake up the next morning and you know what is it the fan, right? And I think we said that at the time. It's not the dire straits that a lot of people well, were because out Bowlesby at. did a really good job. Look, it's not Oklahoma and it's it's not Texas. No. But they, he did okay. Yes, these are still brands yes. that you know. Right, they're teams that have and had, they're good. Yes. Good, solid football. This is better than the American. There's no, no Rice. There's no question. There's no Tulane. No. There aren't programs no, no, like no. that. This is a real conference. Uh-huh. They are still part of the power structure. And they made the right calls. Cincinnati, UCF, mm-hmm. Houston, and BYU, BYU. Those were the right calls to make. Without a doubt. And you have the ability to expand. You have the ability, if you, and there's still people out there that believe the Pac 12 is there for the taking. In Arizona, Arizona State. Would be the two. Well, they had a little bit of a setback yesterday. See Gene Smith's uh, comments mm. about this, uh, the alliance. 
Oh, yeah. It's not really an alliance. Right. <laughs> no, it's it's not really an alliance because we I don't think we're going to play each other. This We want to stay at 9. They want to stay at 8. Yeah, we'll go together to meetings and we'll vote the same way. But when it comes to scheduling, I think that piece was maybe overstated. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's how I read the article. That's very disappointing. Right. As a college football fan because – and even – yeah, we're excited for – the big ones. Michigan plays Clemson. Huge, right? right? Yeah. You're fired up about that. Right. USC, Ohio State. This is great. Mm-hmm. And even Iowa playing Oregon State, it's still something. Yep. It's still something exciting. NC State. All right. Well, it's a, an opponent that you know. Right. But Indiana and Oregon, or in Oregon State or Washington I, I watched State Purdue, and Rutgers. I watched Purdue, Oregon State last year. I was entertained by it. It was better than watching Ball State against Purdue. And that was the hope that we were going to get. More of those type of games. Gene Smith uh, threw cold water over that, over that yesterday. Hmm. It's going to be, we're all going to vote the same way. Uh, we, we're, we're stronger in numbers, but the scheduling aspect that was floated out there, that there's going to be an a lot. Here's the other thing. And, if, and if, if Gene Smith's right, you know what this saves? Cyhawk. Cyhawk. Cyhawk, that seemingly, uh, when this announcement was made, um, you started to feel like it's gonna, maybe not going to continue. Right. I feel better that it's going to continue after reading uh, Gene Smith's quotes yesterday. I'm still a proponent of two years on, two years off. With nine conference games, Iowa has no flexibility. I get it, but maybe because I didn't grow up here. Right. Right? And and, and I can see from a I don't give a damn who wins standpoint Mm -hmm. because I literally, that's where I live. Right. It's so good for the state because there's more passion that week than any other week of the year. And it's not close. But... In central Iowa. Well, in, in Iowa overall. You've I never think. lived anywhere else. I get it, but I think there's, you. But there's more people in central Iowa than there is anywhere else. Sure. So Still a state of 3 million people. Still, but the, there, there's more people that want that game, that appreciate that game, that, that, ha, that recognize the passion of what it does for our state, than don't. Because Sally and Bob put together the party planning committee and bring in your tailgate food on it's Friday. It's the state's biggest game. I'll never understand it's not the, the desire cities. to go away. It's not the Quad Cities. It's not Dubuque. It's this trend. It's go to the- HawkeyeLounge.com. Here's a perfect example. Go to HawkeyeLounge.com. Read the weekly game. Uh, the weekly game. What do they call it? The uh, game thread. Game thread. Thank you. It's 50-something pages on Cyhawk. The next biggest one, who's mm-hmm. fill in the blank? Who's the second best rival? Was, it Wisconsin, yeah, twelve pages. Minnesota, eight pages. Nebraska, fourteen pages. It's Iowa, Iowa State, and there's nothing bigger in the state, and no one will ever convince me otherwise. In Central Iowa, and that's, other, that's, that's the that's only where caveat I, I have. It is where you live. It's where I live. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, that's not the way it and is across the state. For those people in Central Iowa that love this game. We're going to keep this game, I think. Because I think with the, I think we're more likely to see this game annually going forward than we were prior to Gene Smith's quotes yeah. yesterday. Back in August, it looked like it was coming to an end. It did because of the alliance. You got to play a team from the SC, uh, from the ACC. Got to play a team from the Pac-12. Then you rotate. Well, you need this many home games and dot dot dot. It's more of a selfish thing for me because I love going to Arizona State. That road trip down there, it was a lot of fun. The Arizona game, mm-hmm. was, both games that Iowa lost. But I still had a great time doing that. Ben names. Right. A lot. But what, where does Arizona State Iowa move, uh, move the needle to central Iowa? I don't care because I had fun on the trip. Uh-huh. I don't have fun trips to Ames. They're just, I was there a couple of years ago. But it, here's the thing, Trent. You dominate the series. I'll never, I don't get Hawk fans and their desire to see this game go away. You've because what do they get out of it? 
Iowa State's not like they're chopped liver. I mean, they're pretty good. Pretty good recently. Yeah. Recently, right. Recently. I live in the here and now. <laughs> Look at you. 1025. We'll come back. We're going to talk to uh, Kerry Miller, Bleacher Report. We'll get into uh, college basketball with Kerry Miller. Uh, this Rutgers team, I can't get over the difference home and away with this team. But they I beat really Wisconsin can. on the road. They did do it on the road, yeah, which was a big win. They're just playing good basketball. They really are. They're the way playing. they physically dominated mm-hmm. Illinois. Kofi, mm-hmm. he didn't have a shot. He had 20-something last night, but you're right. It, Early um, in the game, he was so frustrated. Mm-hmm. The physicality that Rutgers was playing with him. And there's, I don't know. Illinois, I still think, has the best chance of making a run out of the Big Ten. More than Purdue. Yeah, because of their lack of defense, right? I mean, Northwestern pushed Purdue last night. Um, bigger chance... Greater chance that the national championship comes out of the Big Twelve or the Big Ten? Oh, Big Twelve, and it's not close. Yeah, there's two teams that can win. Texas Tech, yes, might be one of them. I think those are the two. Uh, Of course, Kansas and Texas Tech. mm -hmm. Purdue's not winning at all. I Illinois is not winning at all. No, too inconsistent. No, Michigan, Ohio State. Don't see it. I don't Liddell's either. a nice player. They got yep. some pieces. But. Well, we'll see Saturday. Yeah. Uh, 1026, uh, time for another uh, $1,000 slam dunk. Go to KXNO.com. Once you get there, enter the keyword green. This is the penultimate day of this promotion. It all ends tomorrow. Green at KXNO.com. Your chance to win $1,000. Miller and Condon are underway on Thursdays. Des Moines Sports Station, 106. Um, long time, first time, as you can tell. Um, so I have an issue. I just started dating my girlfriend, not even a year ago. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you here until, uh, well, just before noon. Let's get to our buddy Kerry Miller, BleacherReport.com, as we talk a little college sports basketball uh, in particular with Kerry Miller, BleacherReport.com. Kerry, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. Kerry Miller, how are you? Hey, I'm, I'm doing well. Trying to sleep whenever possible. <laughs> yeah, but it's a good time of year to be busy, right? As we yes, can, yes, sadly yes. come down the stretch and into March, looking forward to it. But sadly, we'll be cutting down the nets, to, and then we'll have to wait until September. Uh, anyways, let's uh, let's get into this basketball. Uh, we saw Gonzaga last night. There's a lot of folks, Kerry, I'm anxious to pick your brain on this, that yes, Mark Few's had good teams in the past, and yes, they've looked as though they're going to go into March almost with a, you know, that invincibility stamp labeled to them, um, only to fall short. As we saw last year, they got very close, but then get blown out by Baylor the way that they did. There's a lot of people that think, you know what, yep, I've seen that, but I think it's going to be different this year. Are you one of them? I mean, I think they absolutely can win the title they are the betting favorite and i think they should be um but the the tournament is so inherently random like outside of that year that kentucky entered 34 and 0 usually the favorite is still like four to one to win it all so you know 25 percent of the time it happens 75 percent it doesn't and 100 percent of the time it has not worked out for gonzaga thus far eventually they're going to end that drought right you keep playing that roulette wheel it'll eventually spin red instead of black but i i think this is i think they're the best gonzaga team we've ever seen um you know the the big question last year was could they defend in the paint like was drew timmy enough 
to defend. Obviously, in the game against UCLA, uh, he wasn't. They needed that half-court miracle. And then the game against Baylor, uh, they couldn't do anything on defense. Uh, now they have Chet Holmgren. They have a game-changer down low. Uh, now the question is kind of, can they defend the perimeter? And I think that's less of a concern. I, I think they're you know, a very, very good team. We all know Gonzaga can win it. I don't think that goes without saying so close as Ken mentioned. But how many other teams are there that can win it all? Win the sixth straight that it is? Is that number seven or eight teams? Or do you think it's deeper this year that that's more towards that 15 range that can ultimately win the whole thing? Yeah, I think it's deeper. I mean, I've seen both, uh, you know, Jay Billis at ESPN, uh, Kevin Sweeney, Sports Illustrated, they put out their their magic eight or whatever they call it, where they, they pick the eight teams who could win it all. And I, I think it's ridiculous to limit yourself to eight at this point in the season. Cause it definitely feels like at least a dozen, probably more, um, even without just, you know, counting for the possibility of another seven seed versus eight seed championship. Like we had whatever it was 2014 between Kentucky and Connecticut. So, I mean, I, I definitely feel like there are multiple teams, certainly in the SEC, the Big Ten, and the Big 12, who could win it all. I think you could go at least three deep in each of those leagues. Then you throw Arizona, Duke, uh, Gonzaga. Um, right there, that's 12. And, and I'm not even stretching. <laughs> I, I think it's easily in double digits this year. Are we overlooking, and we'll see Michigan tonight uh, in, in here in the state of Iowa they t- at Carver-Hawkeye taking on the Hawkeyes tonight. Uh it was what, a week ago tonight, was it not? Yes, it was. That uh, they just pasted Purdue, who, yeah, admittedly they don't play a ton of defense, but they got a lot of dudes. When you look at what um, what Michigan has done, yes, they've lost. Uh, uh, they've lost to Purdue. They've lost to Michigan State. It's it's not a disgrace to go into the subway the sub shop and lose to Rutgers uh, when they're playing at home. A couple of inexplicable ones. No, I have no idea how Minnesota beat them and 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 did so in Ann Arbor. And North Carolina isn't very good. But might this Michigan team be a little better than we think it is? I, I think so. I, I think for a while they were heavily overrated. I mean, they started the year I believe at number two on Ken Palm. I think they were top five in the AP poll, and then we were just, you know, every loss, we were coming up with excuses for why it happened until there were so many excuses that we just threw in the towel entirely. Uh, But their metrics have still been great. They do have that, you know, really good, well, it doesn't look as good anymore that Indiana's falling apart, but they have that really good win by 18 in Assembly Hall, and then, Mm -hmm. you know, that blowout win over Purdue a week ago. But I, I really think... All season long for Michigan, it's just been, is Caleb Houston going to show up? He's been just such a a hit-or-miss factor for them. Um, You know, was supposed to be, I think in the preseason, like people had him as as high as like six or seven in the mock draft. I don't even know if people have him as a first-rounder anymore. But he was that, you know, five-star recruit, was supposed to be their, you know, Isaiah Livers, Franz Wagner type of guy. He's just been wildly inconsistent. But when he hits threes, they're just a completely different team. Um, so, I, I mean, they're they're going to be a tough out night after night, uh, and certainly tonight for Iowa. Big Ten as a whole. you got Purdue sitting right now at 12-4 and four in the conference as they hold on against Northwestern. Illinois takes a loss. Wisconsin both 11-4, and four, and then the Buckeyes at 9-4, and four, followed by the crazy Rutgers team. Ultimately, who do you like most? Looking at the schedule, looking down the stretch, who's going to take home the regular season crown in the Big Ten? I mean, I like... I think Illinois is the best team if they ever get to really full strength, if Corbello ever gets back to what he was last season. I know he had the concussion issues early on, missed a lot of games, and Kofi Coburn's been 
kind of in and out of the lineup. Um, but when they have that duo, I mean, that was, you know, Coburn was the preseason player of the year. Corbello was the first teamer in the Big Ten. So having those guys available will, will be a difference maker for them. I, they've been able to tread water uh, to this point. I think they should finish strong. Um, but if they don't, then it is probably Purdue, even though, like you said, they play uh, passive defense. We'll call it that. Uh, when I uh, pick your brain on Iowa State, uh, yeah, you'll find him at the bottom of the standings in the Big 12, yet you'll find him with the second most uh, quad one wins uh, in, in college basketball. Uh, they seem to stop the bleeding the other night on the road in, in Fort Worth against at TCU. Some winnable basketball games going up. How safe is Iowa State's spot as we sit here on the 17th of February? I, I think they'll still ultimately get in because they have those three home games left against Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia. Those are games they, you know, based on their rating, based on what they've done all season long, they should be able to win those three games. If they do so, they'll be fine. If they don't, then they're going to be like 5-13 and 13 in league play, which I know we we don't, you know, conference record is not on the selection, you know, the team sheets. It's not something we're supposed to consider, but you finish in last place in your conference it's hard to argue you should be an eight or a nine seed even if the quadrant one wins say otherwise so i I think they just need to take care of business and aims and they'll be fine um it's really just you know the thing i've pointed to is if they if they had instead lost to you know if they lost the games to xavier memphis and creighton and instead won three of these nine losses in big 12 play would we still feel the same way Mm. about them i think it's really the conference record that people are annoyed about, but if the if the quadrant wins were the same and it just you know played out a different way, they would still feel like an eight or nine seed to me. Iowa, an interesting team, and the metrics like them, but they still don't have a quad one victory. It's just one of the craziest metri- varieties of of different resumes that you look at right now. How important is it for Iowa to get not just a win but a couple of wins? And if they don't, if they're on the bubble and they're sitting there. Say one in seven in quadrant one. How impactful do you think that would be for the selection committee? Well, I think by selection Sunday, they're going to have probably 11 or 12 quadrant one games, right? I mean, they've got certainly a tough schedule ahead. Road games left against Ohio State, Michigan, and Illinois. Um, even the home game against Michigan and Michigan State, uh, the latter is certainly quadrant one. The former might be. So, then you throw in the Big Ten tournament. So if they're winless, they'll be 0-12 in those games, and that's going to kill them. So I think they need to pick up at least probably two uh, quality wins down the stretch, whether that's regular season or in the conference tournament. doesn't really matter. Uh, they just need to get those wins eventually. But, yeah, like you said, the metrics love them. I mean, I think they're top 20 in all four of the uh, predictive metrics that the committee looks at. Uh, resume-wise, they're around 50. So... Um, you know, I have them, I think, as a nine seed, eight or a nine right now uh, with, like I said, a tough schedule to come. So they're, they're still going to have to play their way in. Uh, I'm sure the audience is sick of me bringing up this next school, but I, for, I just, uh, this Rutgers team fascinates me. Uh, their last four, they've beaten 13, 16, 14, and 12. They've played, uh, on the road at Purdue, at Michigan, coming up, Wisconsin, Indiana still to go, uh, as well. I get it. I, I understand that that, uh, that loss against Lafayette, it's like a, a neon sign around that loss, right? It's just so bad. But, man, haven't they done enough to overcome that, to dig themselves out of that loss at this point? They have to be close uh, to uh, to getting off that proverbial bubble, or no? 
Yeah, I would have them in right now. I did not uh, before the win over Illinois last night. I had them as my third team out. Uh, I think that pushes them in. Uh, the big thing for me, like you mentioned, that Lafayette loss, terrible. That's only the one loss. They have seven losses to teams not in the projected field. That's what's killing them. Mm. I mean, they, they now have seven or eight wins over projected teams. They have eight wins against the top one-and-a-half quadrants. So I think they've done enough now to make up for those early struggles, and they've just been so good on the defensive end. I mean, they, they held E.J. Liddell to like 16 points. Johnny Davis only scored 11. Caleb McConnell was all over him that entire game. And then even though Kofi went for, I think, 20 and 10 last night, it was an inefficient game for him. Mm-hmm. Took like 14 shots, had a lot of turnovers. So, you know, what they've been able to do on the, the opposite end of the floor has been phenomenal and has really turned things around for them, um, you know, for a team that lost 85-83 to Massachusetts back in November. That's a bad loss and an ugly one there. Kerry, uh, you do bubble watch. You take a look at the bracket. You put one together each and every week. When you, you go through it, it's a question that comes up every year. Is this a good year for the bubble? Is it a bad year for the bubble? It feels like every year it's kind of a bad year for the bubble anymore. Is that right? It always does feel bad this time of year because um, usually the the mid-majors have suffered a, a bad loss at this point and they kind of are falling out. I don't think that's the case this year, though, because Murray State's still looking good. Belmont's had a lot of close calls, but they're still winning. Loyola Chicago has had some losses. They're still in good shape. Same with Davidson. So when you have those you know, non-traditional leagues still looking like at-large candidates, the bubble doesn't feel as hideous. Uh, it is starting to get tougher to come up with those 36 at-larges. I mean, from one week to the next, it certainly changes. Like right now, we have four Big 12 teams trying to play their way out, even though there are no bad losses in the Big 12. It's a, a weird predicament there. But, I mean, I, I think if you're looking at the bubble right now, a team like you know North Carolina right now probably fell out Last as night. a result of that yeah. loss to Pitt. But that's still a a good team usually, uh, at least at home. Uh, you know, San Diego State's right on the bubble. That's a pretty good team. So I, I think it's a little bit stronger of a bubble than we're used to seeing most mid-Februarys. Uh, Kerry Miller, Bleacher Report. Kerry, my last question for you um, concerning, uh, concerning the bubble. What, is there a chance uh, with, with the Valley to get that second team in? Most states really good. We think the Panthers are a good team. Drake, if they get hot, they can do some damage in St. Louis. If Loyola of Chicago doesn't, uh, doesn't leave St. Louis uh, winning the MVC tournament, might they, along with someone else, uh, hear their name on Selection Sunday? Yeah, I, I think if they, as long as the Ramblers don't lose again during the regular season, they should be fine. Uh, if they do lose, it better be the, the season finale at Northern Iowa, because that wouldn't be too damaging. Right. But then you're missing out on a you know a high quadrant two, maybe even a low quadrant one loss. I'm not sure where the Panthers are actually at in the net right now. But I, I, at this point, I think Loyola is fine. I have them as a nine and you're not going to drop all the way out for one loss. So if they, I, I think even if they lose like in the quarterfinals of Arch Madness, which certainly would not be the first time we've seen the one seed lose in the quarterfinals of that tournament, I think they would be okay as long as it's not just a, a dreadful loss to like an Evansville or something. Kerry Miller, Bleach Report. Gary, uh, Kerry, great stuff. Thank you for doing this. Uh, we will, if it's okay with you, impose a, a, a one more time before Selection Sunday. Thank you, Kerry. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me. Yep, good to talk to you. Kerry Miller, BleacherReport.com. Good stuff uh, out of Kerry Miller. I always enjoy having him on. Yeah, always good conversation yep. with him. Knows the game really well and does good work. Does 
Kind of wears a lot of hats over there at Bleach yeah, Report. College football, college yeah. basketball. We will take a time out, come back, finish up the hour, and uh, Wade Looking Bill will help us on Michigan, Iowa. He kicks off the second hour of the program. Bill Benner from the Sporting News. Oh, a lot of stuff going on off the field in college football. We'll pick Bill's brain on that, amongst other things. Miller and Condon are on Des Moines Sports Station, 106. A friend for free. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Here's Ken and Trent. Five minutes before 11. If you missed it earlier, the keyword in the 10 o'clock hour was green, green at kxno.com. Did you see Matthew Stafford, the photographer that was on the stage, I guess, or just off the podium taking pictures of the Rams celebration? No. And she fell and fractured her spine? Yes. And Stafford turned his back. And, I mean, it's, it's out of context. I know it's strange. It's a bad look. It's a bad look. Just watch, just seeing it on Twitter, standing with his wife, and they both have this, oh my God, look on their face. Yeah. It's at Barstool Sports. Okay. And, uh, you could see that, you can see this, just her head, the, 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 the lady who fell, the photographer who fell, uh, just falling and fractured her spine, but Stafford <laughs> right away turns, wants nothing to do with that, kind of walks away, doesn't reach out his hand. I mean, I don't know how, how high up in the um, off the ground she was, but not uh, not the best of looks. Anyways, uh, Wade Looking Bill is coming up. So what do you think tonight? This Michigan team, I go back to what we were talking about with Kerry Miller. Mm-hmm. I can't figure them out, Trent, because their losses, yes, they lost to uh, Minnesota, which was that was back in December. Uh, North Carolina was not good. Arizona is good. Yeah. And they lost to them early in the season. But there really hasn't been... I don't think a, a Big Ten loss that has you, what the hell happened here? Other than the game in December against Mini. Right. And that one, and it was a home game too. They weren't right. And they were hit hard by COVID during that time. Were they? They had a lot of guys that were out. So okay. that's, I think at least you can paint the picture of the reason. So you know what? Let happened. me ask you that because K-State was the same way. Yes, they were. Does that come up when they're sitting in the boardroom? It well, has to, doesn't it? Injuries I come up. I think you have to go back and... Well, what was the what's the basis for this? They're playing so well now. What happened in November, December? I think K State's a great example of that too. Of, I think Michigan. If you're you, you go through those two teams and you kind of comb through it, and not only that, you know, a team like K State's got so many close losses mm-hmm. during that time. And boy, and short bench. If they had an extra guy uh-huh. or guy's lungs were a little bit better at that time, right? Maybe that two point loss becomes a two point win, and just how different it can be. It has to be a piece of the. Well, there's certainly no curriculum for it. There, there's yeah. no, when you're looking at the boxes to check is what goes into making the tournament, what doesn't. But this is different. It's too, it's too. This is COVID. We get the top sixteen this weekend. I think it is. You know, I was wondering that the. I I don't know the answer to it, but I, I was wondering I heard why that. we hadn't heard yes. it yet. They wanted to move away. It was supposed to be this past weekend. Oh, from the Olympics? And the Super Bowl. Oh, and the Super Bowl, of course. So they're going to do it, I believe, this weekend. So we'll get that reveal. It doesn't do anything, though, for me. No. I don't care. It's one funny because 16. I'm going to sound like a hypocrite. <laughs> I'm with you. Yet I can't, I, I won't miss Tuesday night in November. <laughs> if they gave us a full bracket, now we're talking, or okay. even rank one through 68. Mm-hmm. Now we can talk. Even don't have to put together a bracket, just give us a seed list. Mm-hmm. Go through once through six. Bracketologists do that, right? Why can't they do that? No. Oh no! Here at number sixteen, it, it's you know Tennessee's a three seed. I think there should be a four. Who cares? Right? 
it doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. The ones that we wonder about are those examples. Mm -hmm. The K-States, the Iowa States, the Iowas of the world, the teams that have different things that have happened, what a quad one victory means for Iowa State with a lot of them, or for Iowa with none of them. Where do they sit on their seed list? That's what's important. Will they do it? Probably not. Uh the, the Condon Casino's not open yet, but the Miller Casino is. Oh, okay. One and a half teams from the state of Iowa. Make it into, into the, tournament. the tournament. Over. Over. Iowa State and Iowa are getting there. I think Iowa State's in too, Trent. I'm with you 100%. And I think you and I and Drake have a shot down there. Two. That's a push. You got to have a hook. You got to have a hook. Two and a half. Uh, well, I'll get killed. They're both getting there. Iowa has to win tonight, though. There's no losing this game. I don't think you're coming back. See, I don't think this is. It's a lot of points. I think six is it? Just, it's, it's still five. Six, it's five now. Yep. Okay, that's coming back the right way. See, I can make a case that this Michigan team is better than their record because they're one of the last teams into the tournament mm-hmm. in a lot of guys' brackets. The freshmen have not turned out no. to be what they thought. No. Dickinson's a stud, mm-hmm. and he can shoot it now from the outside. And he mm-hmm. opens up a lot more. But what a lot of teams have done against Michigan this year is they say, Hunter, you go get yours. Yeah, and he does. You want to get 25 and 12? That's fine. Uh-huh. We're just not going to let the shooters go off back behind you. And you're going to have to basically do it yourself. And with the way Iowa is defensively, Rabracha, both Murray's in there. They'll be battling. I even see some Connors trying to throw some elbows at him. You'll have all these different bodies that you're throwing at it. Maybe it's in a gun delay. You know, gets a two-minute stretch in each half. Did you think he'd play more this year? I mean, not, I'm not saying play 15, 18 no. minutes. This is about where I anticipated. I thought he might take tick up a little bit. And I like him. I do. I still think there's something there with the big man. Mm-hmm. But you let him do his thing, right? And you let Hunter go off. Just don't let anybody else beat you. That happens. I think I was in good shape tonight. Uh, hour number two coming up. Wade Looking Bill will kick it off. Bill Bender from the Sporting News will join us as well. Transplay the day. Circus Sports sponsors. That will get to that just before noon. Hour to go on Miller and Condon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.